0: Listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org.
1: Well, good morning. I am so excited to uh, introduce you to our guest today, Scott Stearman. Scott is an artist, he, uh, he is a sculptor, and, and he has used for over these 25 years his art as a sculptor to tell a story and scott would tell you that he has used wax and clay to create images for one single purpose and that is to tell the story of jesus uh just next door at southern nazarene university it's worth a walk around campus just to see the seven sculptures that he has created and that are on the campus of southern nazarene university he's a he's a son of our church this is his home church and his mother bk stearman is here his brother steve his wife, Vicky, And uh, I'm so grateful that Scott has come this morning. And as we look forward to September the 11th, as we've been talking about for a long time, I felt like Scott could just kind of prepare us for next Sunday. And so I want you to join me this morning in making Scott's chairman feel very, very welcome. Scott, would you come?
0: When I go to work in the morning, my commute is about five minutes, eh, maybe eight, down the pass from my home in Woodland Park, Colorado, to a little town called Green Mountain Falls. My studio is on a back street in Green Mountain Falls. It kind of looks like there should be a couple of moonshiners working in that shack, doesn't it? But that's a, that's a quiet, empty little room when I walk in there in the mornings. But it's a room that's full of possibilities. Because in that little pile of clay that sits at the end of my workbench, kind of like this, um, there are stories... Waiting to be told. So, welcome to my studio, all you moonshiners. I'm going to tell you a story today, and it'll be a little different than the way you've heard it before. If I was sitting where you are right now, I'd be saying, "I can do that." <laughs> I would. Hey, it's terrific to be here with you. Uh, when Pastor Rick called me in Colorado and talked about being here, I thought, "Bethany First Church, that's awesome," because it's kind of my home church when I'm in Oklahoma. You know, well, it is my home church when I'm in Oklahoma. My wife, Hermine, is with me. Thirty-eight years ago, she and I were married. Let's see. About right here. So this church has played a big part in our life. We met over at the college. Uh, When Pastor Rick called me, he was uh, making me feel welcome and wanted me to know how much our family meant to him and this church and he said, your mom B. K is such a such an addition to our community and we just thank the world of Stephen Vicky. And I said, Well you need to know that Stephen Vicky are big fans. are big fans of your pastor. You know, that's an important thing that you can say that, that you are big fans of your pastor. I, I, uh, when we were talking, I said, I said, they're really big fans of Steve Harvey. You need to know that. I forgot, I forgot Steve Harvey's name there for a minute, and I'm going, what was I going to say? And right after that, I said, but they're not as big of fans as they are of Rick Harvey. And he said, yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, the idea of clay and hand-shaping clay, it's a metaphor you've heard a lot. You've heard uh, the choir here sing about it. You've heard the pastor speak about it. The potter and the clay, God shaping us, making us into His image, making us into a useful vessel. Uh, A few years ago, I wanted to demonstrate that idea, so I loaded up my video gear and I went out to Sayre, Oklahoma to visit my friend Jack Abbott. Jack was the pastor of the local Nazarene church in Sayre, but he had a master's degree in pottery. So I went out there and one afternoon... Jack and I kind of joined forces, and this is what we came up with. Take a look.
2: Oh, Lord, we are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, To love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come.
0: That's really true. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that idea that God has his hands on your life and he's shaping you, molding you, making you into his image. But this morning I want to take that idea and I want to turn it upside down to make a point, okay? Instead of us being shaped by him, I want you to think about the idea that for all of us who are followers of Christ, for the people in our, re, in our uh, community, for the people we're in relationship with, the people who don't know Him, we're shaping their image of who He is. The tools we use are attitudes, actions, conversations, the way we treat them and the way we treat each other. They're watching. You see, we're shaping their understanding. We're shaping, we're sculpting their image of Jesus. So, if you didn't know, now you know. You're a sculptor too. What does your Jesus look like? Have those moments where you're, you're on task, you know where you're going, you know what the next step is, and the voice in your head says, Stop, change direction, I need you to pay attention. I think that's the voice of the Spirit. Well, it happened to me in a big way last fall when I was at Olivet, I was doing chapel at Olivet, Nazarene University, and that song had just ended had my clay, I knew where I was going next, and I turned like this, and I went. The voice in my head said, stop. And the words I heard were, dude, my nose is bigger than that. <laughs> that really happened, I'm not kidding. So I went, yes, Lord, here we go. Here we go. I had a friend in my studio a couple of years ago. And my encounter with her reminded me of an idea that for those of us who are creative, graphic, people who sketch, people who sculpt, if you do human figure stuff, if you do portraits, we can fall into a trap of putting ourselves in the, uh, in the picture, in the sketch, in the painting, in the sculpture. I did that. I get busted doing that. I don't do it on purpose, but I did it. And I'm in my studio, and I handed this to my friend, and she said, that's you. And I said, seriously? She said, oh yeah, that's you. And y- y'all, I'm not kidding. I was only trying to create a ruggedly handsome, fiercely <laughs> independent, uh, feared by men, and loved by women kind of mountain man guy. <laughs> but that encounter leaves a question hanging in the air. The Jesus I'm sculpting with my life. Does he look like Jesus? Or does he look like me?
3: Hardly think as you call. to us
0: Campus at SNU in front of the library, there's a sculpture of the Ten Commandments. It's kind of meant for people to read and reflect and think about what those mean. Um, it's big, it's like five and a half feet tall, and it's like 1,500 pounds. When I was working on that, I was working on the tablets, and they were big. They are like this big, that thick, that wide, and I'm standing in front of the tablets working on the lettering, and the, the third commandment bothers me. When I was a little boy, I knew what that meant. I went to Sunday school. It means we don't cuss, right? When I was eight years old, I had a list of words, and I knew if I didn't say those words that on the third commandment I was good. Well I'm thinking this is the these are the commandments of God. There has to be more to it than that. So I started talking to people who are smarter than me. This is what I learned. To take the name of the Lord it means I have taken his identity. I have taken his name on me, on my life. I claim the name of Christ. The commandment says don't do that unless you're serious. Don't enter into that deal lightly because you should not take my name in vain. I think it's important. It's on the same list with murder. I don't know. One of the stories from the life of Alexander the Great goes like this. A young commander who thought he was smarter than everybody else was just deciding on a whim, I'm just going to go my own way. I'm just going to, you know, they're going to tell me to do stuff, but I know better. He's out in the battlefield. He's saying, you know, the old man is wrong. He's up there, I'm down here, we're fighting, doing the battle. I know better than he knows. So one night, Alexander calls this young guy into his, uh, into his tent, and he walks in. And he knows he's in trouble. Alexander, standing there. What is your name? My name is Alexander. Your name is Alexander? Yes. You carry the name of a king... Yes. Either change the way you're living or change your name. He carries the name of a king. Every one of us in here has a unique story, we have a unique path that we are all walking, it's all different. None of us have the same story, none of us have the same struggles, the same successes, the same failures. But I know one way in which we are exactly the same. We all have an enemy that is trying to destroy us. We have an accuser that comes against us, tries to destroy our relationships, our family, our marriages, tries to res- tries to destroy our influence he speaks doubt you know all that stuff that's old that's that's old stuff you know that's that's the law doesn't really matter anymore this is a new day we're enlightened you can you can kind of find your own faith path it's okay god is gracious and it's okay he speaks accusation. You're not as smart as they are, are you? Not as good looking as them, not as successful. I don't even know why you keep trying, I mean seriously. Take some shortcuts, it'll be okay. He speaks shame, shame, remember? Remember how you failed? Remember how you disappointed them? Don't even try again. You'll only disappoint them again. You should just give up. You guys, we have an enemy. And he is an accuser. He's the enemy of our souls. And he wants us to keep our eyes fixed on other things. You see, he wants us to fix our eyes on anything but Jesus. I want you to look at the words of your enemy.
4: This is the truth. You are forgiven. He says, I want you to know this. He doesn't love you. It would be a lie for me to say forgiveness is possible. You can know peace and grace is real. Your relationships can be restored and you can be free from guilt and anger. So you must know he offers nothing good for you. You should never believe you are forgiven because of the cross. This is true. You cannot change never believe he is the Lord your God but the cross turned those lies upside down he is the Lord your God never believe you cannot change this is true because of the cross because of the cross you are forgiven you should never believe he offers nothing good for you so you must know You can be free from guilt and anger. Your relationships can be restored and grace is real. You can know peace and forgiveness is possible. It would be a lie for me to say he doesn't love you. I want you to know this. He says, you are forgiven. This is the truth. This is the truth.
0: So that's what he does. He takes the lies of our enemy, turns them upside down, and sets things right. So here I am again, same place. It happens every time. I get to this point and my Jesus doesn't look right. And it won't look right. By the time it's finished and you all leave this room, it's not going to look right. There's going to be so much more I could do. I was moping around in the hotel room last a couple of years ago after doing this on a Sunday and Hermine said, what in the world is wrong with you? And I said, I I don't know. You know, what I said yesterday was okay, but man, the sculpture just looked horrible. She said, honey, you're not finished. You will never be finished. There will always be more you can do. So my failure in front of a few hundred people this morning reminds me that... I still have stuff I need to do. I still have some business I need to take care of. And it reminds me of the word that we have heard over and over and over. It's God's grace. His grace. And it's amazing.
5: Amazing grace, how sweet the song that saved the
0: How cool in this church to use a song sung by Africans. A song written by the former captain of a slave ship. Those Africans were singing about amazing grace. John Newton, who wrote that song, you know his story. But when he wrote Amazing Grace That Saved a Wretch Like Me, he understood what it felt like to feel totally unloved, totally unworthy of anything God would have to offer him. But when he experienced it, he wrote the words amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. At the end of his life, he was asked, how would you describe, how would you tell your story? And he said this, I would describe my life in two ways that I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. So now, when you go back out there, would you carry kindness with you? Would you offer hope to people who don't have much? Would you speak healing into the hearts of people who are hurting? Take a stand for peace in a world that's not very peaceful. My brothers and sisters, if we have taken the name of our King, this is who we are to be. Every day you encounter people who don't know Christ. What does Jesus look like to them? He looks just like you.
1: God, thank you so much. Uh, You've helped us today. Um, You've asked us a question that we can't just walk away from. And that is, this Jesus that we are sculpting every day of our lives, what does he look like? So, I think what it brings us to is another question, and the question is, can can I really change? Can my life radically change? Which has led us to next Sunday when we begin a 40-day journey together. We've been talking about September the 11th for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I can't hardly believe that it's here. But it's really a matter of you and I coming together to journey together to say, God, can you shape my life and help me become more like Christ? And I'm very excited about this journey with you. Somewhere along the way we said it seems a bit selfish just to do it only us. And so we've been praying about who we might invite to join us. And many of you are praying about who you're inviting. I know there's some cards in the foyer, they look like this, and they're just cards that you could hand somebody. So on your way out the door this morning, if you want to stop and pick up a few of these and take them with you, it might help you to invite a friend, give service times, what we're doing over these next 40 days, and you can share that with somebody. So grateful that you and I, are not stuck the way we are, but that we can truly experience radical transformation in our lives. And the Jesus that we sculpt can look more like the Jesus who lived and walked this earth 2,000 years ago. So I'm thankful for this journey that we'll have together. Thank you so much, Scott, for being with us today. Would Would you stand with me and let me give you this blessing? So here's my prayer for you this morning, okay? May the love of God... And the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.
0: You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.